of faith. This is my Bible. The word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text today comes from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and 15, New Living Translation. Jesus is saying again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. Somebody say illustrated. He's just giving us an example of how heaven ought to be. Amen? Can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Somebody say a long trip. That long trip probably is your lifetime. What you going to do while he's gone? Because he is coming. And what you do while he's gone is going to depend on how you are received when he And he called together, somebody say his servants. Somebody say his servants again. And look what he did. And entrusted his money. Somebody say his money. You know, we don't even trust our money to our kids sometimes. So this man entrusts his money to his servants. He entrust. Who owned the money? He did. Now, when he gave it to him, he must have had an expectation. God has given you some things. He owned it. But he has an expectation for you to do something with what he gave you. You don't own it. He owned it. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one. Somebody say to one. He gave five bags. Two bags of silver to another. Somebody say two bags. Two bags. I told you that the kids talk about bag chasing the bag today. You know, they didn't have to chase. He gave. That certain thing God didn't already gave you. You ain't got this. So he gave two bags of silver to another and one bag to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their, somebody say their abilities. Their abilities. Your abilities is your abilities alone. Yeah. Stop worrying about other folks' yeah. abilities. Yeah. Now see, the problem that we see here is that sometime in the church, the person with five abilities is only producing three. Yeah. And that forces the person who ain't got but one ability to try to operate outside their capable because now they got to pick up two more things and the master already know they can't so I'm talking to the folk with the five who's operating in threes it's time for you to step up your game because one day he coming back so though you're one sitting here thinking I ain't got nothing. Yes, you don't lie to yourself. Amen. The master called everybody and gave them at least. You got one thing that you can do real good. Let me get on with the lesson. I'm getting ahead of myself. He divided it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Amen? You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our second sermon in the series that we've centered around our theme for the year, the year of great stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. As I said, my objective is to inspire and encourage you to embrace and fulfill your stewardship responsibilities as you worship and serve the Lord in your home, on your job, in your community, in the social circles that you run in, and even here in the church. Now, a definition of a steward or a stewardship is someone who oversees or manages the property of another. In other words, you don't own it but somebody entrusted you with it. And therefore, they have an expectation that you're going to do well than with whatever they entrusted you. Amen? So now, a stewardship is a sacred trust, a commission, or a charge. It is delegated responsibility to manage something for someone else. And I told you last week, 
all of you who work out there on that base, I don't care if you're the lowest GS or the highest colonel or whatever it is out there, you got something that you're responsible for. And whatever that is, whoever gave you the responsibility is expecting you to be a good, a good steward over it. Amen? And then so we see here, now the broader doctrine and comprehensive view of stewardship shows that Christians have the responsibility to faithfully fulfill their personal uh, talents that God has given, to use their personal talents that God has given them, their time that God has given them, as well as their possessions that God has blessed them with. Because we established last week that everything belongs to God. Amen. Amen. And if you don't see it that way, you're not going to see stewardship like God wants you to see it. Because once you think you own it, you're going to do with it what you want to and not what God wants you to. Oh, Lord, help me out. Now, so Christian stewardship properly recognized that our human time, our abilities, and our possessions, including the earth and its contents, are on consignment to mankind from God. Therefore, we had a responsibility to manage all that the resources of life for the glory of God, and we ought to acknowledge him as the owner of all that he has provided. Amen? Amen. So in short, we must truly believe that, that all belongs to God, and we must faithfully manage and care for what has been entrusted to us. Yeah. Now, I said this last week, and I think it's worth repeating. There are four characteristics of a good steward. A good steward is constructive and productive. You know, that constructive work builds up and edifies God's kingdom, and it yields favorable results. Some people can build things up, but they can't produce once they build it up. God is expecting you to build up as well as produce from that, the results of what you build. Good stewards are, are conserv conservation. They practice conservation. In other words, they don't waste resources and that they have and that God has blessed them with. You know, this week, the part of this I just want you to think about. When you leave here this week, just take a look at your life and see how much you waste. In the old days, people had to look at that because if they wasted, they couldn't make ends meet. So I remember granddaddy coming around telling me, boy, turn that light off in that room when you leave. Well, I didn't understand why, because granddaddy knew the electric bill was coming. And he knew that he didn't have enough check to pay all the bills, but me leaving that light on could reduce that. You know, that made me think. This, I, you know, now I, I done got so out of being, you know, conserving. I wash one plate in the dishwasher. And the spirit jumped on me. Say, so you finna waste, you know, 20 gallons of water on one plate, and when the water bill comes, you want to know why the bill go up. You know, some of y'all waste in y'all driving. You just waste. You go places you don't need to go. They had to make cars that cut off for you at the light. To help you, because someone believed that we ought to conserve the resources that God has blessed us with. So good stewards practice conservation. Good stewards are reliable. They work as one who is accountable for everything that has been entrusted to them. Good stewards are faithful. They remain faithful and loyal to their master or to the one who has granted them stewardship. In other words, good stewards, they don't waste their time. They don't neglect their talents or gifts and they don't squander their resources. So your assignment for this week is just look out there and see how much you squander. Amen. Just, just, just look. Just see how much you throw away. Waste. We don't eat leftovers no more, so just cook for one meal. I know the pot holds seven bags of peas, but Just one. And the reason we can do that is because God has blessed some of y'all to live in a surplus. And when people live in surplus, they will waste 
because they don't feel what someone who's living in lack feels. Some of y'all don't know what it's like to have one pair, two pair of shoes. So you treat your 10 pair any kind of way. Because you got another one pair over. Today we're going to begin in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16. And we're going to subtitle the message today is Serve with Diligence. Now, in Luke chapter 16, this parable is sandwiched between, you know, prodigal son and, 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 and the rich man and Lazarus. So in this passage, Jesus was really talking about their possession, the things that they own and how they should use them. But it causes a lot of people to have difficulty understanding this parable because Jesus uses a negative character to try to make a positive point to his disciples. In other words, he used an unjust steward to try to motivate them to be diligent about what God has given them. Because in the end of the day, what he saw in this unjust guy was how diligent this guy was about trying to solve his problem. And sometimes I think that as Christians, we don't work with the same level of diligence to solve things that come in our life as this unjust guy did. And many of you have had your backs up against the wall just like this guy. But I wonder, do we sit down and sometimes think our way through what got us in that situation? Do we deliberate with ourselves and have that conversation and think things all the way through and find out what caused this? How can I do this better? What do I need to do to get out of it? How can I serve God better? What can I do to, to do better for him and for my children, my wife, my kids, my job? What can I do? I think now a lot of Christians just don't stop So look at this. So Jesus used a negative character to try to motivate his disciples to be diligent about the things that God had called them to do. And what we need to see is that we know that when it comes to the kingdom of God, God expects us to look out for those who are less fortunate than we are, downtrodden, the marginalized. You know, he said, what you've done for the least of them, you've done unto me. So when we get to the next parable, we don't hit that today when he compared Lazarus' action and the rich man, or Lazarus and the rich man. Rich man saw him sitting at the gate just begging, and, and he lived in Opolis and didn't do nothing with his resources but put them on himself. So here we find this unjust steward mismanaging the resources that his boss, master, let me set this up, and let, now I've set it up a little bit. Let me just go ahead and read. Luke chapter 16, verse 1 through 9. He said, now, Jesus told this story to his disciples. He says, there was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. Stop right there. You know, there are some people right now who are so wealthy, they don't keep up with their wealth. They let other folks manage it for them. They don't even know how much they got. And when you got someone managing your stuff like that and you don't trust them and you can't trust them, it's a good possibility if you don't stay on top of your game, they'll steal from you. Amen. Amen. That's why, you know, Brumbron got all his boys that he grew up with handling his business. Because he wants people around him that he can. And I guarantee you, sometimes people at that level, if you ask them, how much do you have? They can't tell you. So if someone's stealing, all they know is they got it. This guy had it like that. He didn't have to keep up with what he had because he thought he had a good, a good steward. If I got a good manager, if I got someone that's taking care of my affairs, then that free me up to do other. So he had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager, somebody said, was wasting. Was wasting his employees' Money. Stop right there. How many of you in here are employed? If you just raise your hand. If you're employed. Okay, I mean, you mean you work for somebody. You know, somebody pay you. You're employed. So the question you got to ask yourself, 
Are you wasting your employees, your employers' money? I'm just doing self-assessment. You can waste. You can waste. Are you wasting it? You know, I know in the military we used to waste all the time. We take inventory one thing, we go buy pens, we never use them, and then we they go away, we don't know what happened to them. Waste. So the question is, is you gotta look at this from your perspective. Are you wasting your employees? Just because it says US government on it, it's still been paid for by somebody. And whoever paid for it, you work for them. And because it don't have your name on it, you don't see it the way the owner. Y'all better hear me today. I know this is going to be tight because I don't understand why Jesus even do this power. Because I know it had to cause some people to be perplexed. He says now he was wasting his employer's money. Many of us waste time. Oh, yeah, you do. Some of you are wasting your talent. God didn't bless you to be able to do something you can do it and it don't cause you nothing to do it. Meaning that you don't have to put forth a lot of energy and effort to do something. God just gifted you with that. Other people have to go to school and learn how to do it. You can just then we waste, you know, we waste money. Go back and look at your bank statement in the month. Look at all them little, you know, you don't, them little chips you don't swipe. Bing, now they just read them for you. You ain't got to swipe. They just show them the little thing. Bing! So at the end of the month, go back and look at how many times you done ping that and see that you wasted a thing while you was. Because some of you want to just show your status, so you just pop it out. Did you really need that though? So he was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, you know, Squan, you know, told the boss and said, what is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. In other words, we're going to audit your books, take a look at how you've been handling my stuff. Because somebody done told me you've been stealing. And so after you account for everything, because there's going to be a day of accounting, one day we're going to all have to stand before God and give an account of what we have done in this life. There's going to be a reckoning day. So he said, look, get your stuff in order and there's going to be accountability. But at the end of the day, you still... So get your stuff in order. So the warning here is you need to get your stuff in order before you get. Y'all, I ain't get too many amen right there. See, it's one thing to be laid off because cutbacks and all that. And, and, and a laid off person can normally get another job. But a fired person, when they say, can I go get a letter from your previous? You don't want to be fired. If you're going to get laid off, that's all right. But the Lord lay you off your job, that's one thing. But you don't want him to. Oh, Lord, I know y'all weren't going to get with this one today. It was tough for me. I almost skipped it. He says, now look what the manager does. The manager thought to himself, say he thought to himself. No, well, you know, in other words, he started to think it. This is a guy who's back up against the wall, and instead of him whining and crying about the fact that he was fired, he was thinking, what am I going to do in the... See, see, some people are so caught up on what happened that they are not planning on what they need to do and so he already knew the outcome. You'd have been fired. Now it's time for you to be diligent, sit down and assess your situation and determine what are you going to do. 
What you going to do next? So the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. Somebody say amen. I don't think none of y'all want to go from GS-13 to ditches. GS-12 to ditches. GS-4 to ditches. I just don't see that. I don't want to go from pastor to ditches. So strive and fire me. I have to sit down and deliberate. Man, look at what can I do? Can I be a Walmart greeter? What can I do? The church just got rid of me. What can I do? I ain't ready to stop, so what can I? Can I go on the speaking circuit and just talk with the young people and hope they'll, you know, buy in? What can I? It's time for you all to start sitting down and thinking your life through and ask yourself, what can I do if this happens? Don't wait till it happens, but start thinking about your future. So the guy said, hey, I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to. He had a problem right there. Because begging ain't a sin. Stealing is. So if you find yourself in a situation, you better beg your way out of it. Now, I hope that it never happened to anybody, but don't let your pride keep you from telling somebody, hey, look, I need some help. Amen. That sister that you ain't spoke to in 20 years because y'all mad and now you done lost everything, lost your job, and you too proud because, hey, hey, look, look, sis, I know we ain't been feeling each other like that. We feel blood, but look here, I need some. Uh, don't get quiet on me right now. You ain't in that situation. I'm just trying to help you to help somebody else. Amen. Don't let pride cause you to fall when you're already down. How much lower can you go? Yeah. You've been fired. Then in verse 4, I see an aha moment. He says, ah, I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends. I will have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. They look at it now. I got to start thinking. My boss didn't let me go. So I need to sit down and figure out how I can be friends with some people who can help me once I lose my job. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. If you pay him off right now 400 gallons, I'll take that. Because chances are he don't even know how much you owe him. All he knows is that you... I'm the steward. I keep up with his books. So if you pay off 400 right now, cash, then I ain't got to be trying to make money on the interest that I'm going to make off of. So I'm just going to cut that. Just give me $400. Right. You know, sometimes you get a good deal when you, you know people in a pinch. And they don't want to wait for a long term on their investment, the, the interest to pay off. Say, I'll pay you cash for it right, right So he said, now look, you give me 400. Now, again, this is why this is a tough story, because you would ask, why is Jesus using a bad guy doing some bad stuff to make a point? Now look at this. Then he said this, how much do you owe my employer? Verse 7, he asked the next man. He says, I owe him 100 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it. He owed him 1,000, I'm sorry. And he says, change the bill to 800 bushels. So in other words, he's going to collect all this up front, but he knows that in reality, he collected it at a discount. But by taking that off of their bill, guess what? Brother Wilson going to be my friend later on. Because I'm going to remind him. When I get fired, hey, bro, you remember, you, you did you a favor. Now I ain't got no job. I need a little. Yeah. 
Y'all ain't got to say amen right there. Yeah, the, the story speaks for itself. Are y'all staying with me today? I know I'm teaching today, and I'm teaching in a slower mode. You ain't going to shout right here, because I'm pretty sure these disciples wouldn't shout neither when they heard this. But now look at this. The, the verse 8 says, the rich man had to admire the dishonest, the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. In other words, this guy saw an opportunity, and he took advantage of the opportunity to save himself. He says he had to admire him for being so shrewd. And this is true with the children. Now, this is where you see the key to the story right here. He wasn't talking about saved folk right here. He says now, and this is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of life. He said people outside the church are sitting down thinking more than you are. They thinking their next move, what they going to do next, how they going to get here, how they going to do that. And you are in the light. You are a child of the light, and the world is out thinking. You know you got to do something for the kingdom. And instead of you sitting down and thinking how you're going to do it, you're letting the world run circles around you. And when the world runs circles around the church and the church starts stop thinking, the church have to adopt what the world. I know y'all weren't going to say amen to Rev right there. Coach, can I read that again? He says, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so and this is true with the children of this. Man, people in the world are up thinking while we sleeping. That's why we got all this stuff that folks buying in crypto coin, meta this, meta that. Somebody thinking. And we who go to church will be coming up with good things that can benefit God's kingdom, but we have stopped. Jesus said, my, the people around me, the children of light, have stopped thinking. He said now, in verse 9, I'm almost done with this. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. What God has blessed you with in the natural, he says use those to befriend people so that they can see the kingdom operating through you. Use what God has blessed you in a way that will glorify him and glorify the kingdom and make people want to come and invest in the kingdom. Learn about him. Learn about Jesus. Know him. But we can't do that if the world is out. We come to church and learn this word, but we turn our brains off and stop thinking of ways that we can apply to our lives that will benefit God. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, because you can't take them with you, I don't care how much you got when you go down and you get burned or whatever you're going to have done to you, unless your family just really, really feel like you was attached to that diamond, they ain't going to burn it with you. They ain't, all that gold you got, they ain't going to put it down there with you. They're going to go buy you something. They're going to make you look nice, but they ain't going to put the, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You better write that in the wheel if you want to take that with you. And still, that'll be selfish of you to take that with you when you can bless somebody. Your earthly possessions are going to separate from you at some point in time in your life when they can't do nothing for you. They will, then they will welcome you to an eternal home. When you do right by God on earth and, and use what he has blessed you with to be a blessing to others, then you will be welcome when it's time for you to leave here. 
You're making down payments on what you're going to receive. And even in this life, God will bless you for being good and doing right by other people. But at the same time, you got a heavenly blessing that's more important than what you're going to receive here on earth. And so what I'm challenging you today is, look, be diligent about what you're going to do for the Lord. If you're going to do something, don't just do it to be doing it and putting forth a haphazard effort. Be and if it require you to sit down and think some things all the way through, take the time. I done got lazy in my old age. I don't think like I used to. And what is happening is, is all I want to do is what I used to do. Because I feel comfortable in doing what I used to do instead of saying, hey, what else can I do? Lord, let me move on. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I, you know, we just talked about your possessions and how God wants you to be a good steward over those things, but at the same time wants you to be wise and diligent in how you could use those. Here, I just want to share with you, if you didn't already know this, some of y'all have been around a while. This is not a new passage of Scripture, but some of y'all have been around a while to know that you need to be a steward over your ministry. And, and a lot of times, when y'all hear the word ministry, you think about folk that stand up here, wear collars, or got a title, you know, done got a license or all that. I'm telling you, you got a ministry without that. And God is expecting you to be a good steward over your... Amen. Now, let me just start right here because I may be misspeaking, but, but if you ain't scared to say it, how many of you are saved? I mean, if you ain't scared to say it, just, just raise your hand. I'm sure your hand is going to say, okay. All right, you're on camera, so don't worry about it. We got it. I got a receipt. But you ought not to be ashamed you saved. That's a good thing. Now the next question is, are you operating in your ministry? Because if you're saved and your life has changed and you're a new creation, he gave you a... And it's your responsibility carry out that ministry while you're here on earth. And I think when it comes to the church, we look at that as the pastor and the leader's job, and the people that sit in, sit in the seats feel like, oh, I got blessed today. That was a powerful word. The praise team made me shout today. Then now they're telling you, take care of your ministry. Take care of your ministry. You got a ministry if you raise your hand. And guess what? You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to quote all six, six books of the Bible. You may even miss one every now and then. But what you can tell people is what happened to you. How you got reconciled to God. How the difference between you and God was settled. That's your story. And can't nobody tell that but And if you're walking around here sitting on that, then you're not a good steward of what God has been trusted. Let me just read this. I know that was going to get tough right there. Y'all want the wet, you know, everybody want to run. I'm an ambassador. Well, what? Got a title. I'm an ambassador. Mm -hmm. But are you doing what an ambassador is supposed to do? Are you just walking around? I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Okay, look good on t shirts. Look good on t shirts. Sound good. Got a nice ring to hashtag. Ambassador for Christ. Well, what are you doing with your ambassadorship? You say, sanctify, and feel with the Holy Ghost. Well, what you doing with it? Oh, I was at church every Sunday. I sit on the third row, the third seat. That's my seat. Well, yo, what are you? Just showing up don't mean you accountable. Oh, uh, this is the new year. I figure I better start off right now getting, getting the hard stuff out of the way in the first couple of weeks, and then we'll soften up later. He says, now look, in verse 17, verse 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, somebody say belongs to Christ. Is that you? Is that you? Then if that's you, he's talking to you right here. Is there any, anybody here that say you belong to Christ? Say amen. amen. Can I get another Amen. Y'all ought to shout just as loud as them congressmen shout the other night when they finally got that boy elected. Say amen. amen. They can shout that loud for a man getting elected. Surely you can shout that loud because you saved. 
Amen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has, be, Christ has become a new person. Somebody say new person. new person. Some of your older Bible say a new creation. The old folks in the old church, you say you've just been born. In other words, you were born in the flesh the first time. Now you have been born in the spirit when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now the transformation has taken place in your life. And as a result of that transformation, it gives you a ministry. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Somebody say begun. Now the thing about that begun is that all y'all begun in a different place. Some of y'all been gunning and begun and begun for years. And you shouldn't be in the same place as little Alexander there who maybe just start begunning. But Alexander shouldn't be where he was last. Because as a new creation, God is expecting you to grow in your newness of life. I wish I had a place in here where we could shout. All I can do is tell you there's an exclamation point behind a new life has begun. An exclamation point used to mean in grammar, I think, that it was emphasis. So I'm telling you with emphasis, a new life has begun. Whether you accept that in your life or not is on you, but a new life in you has begun if you say you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And that's a choice that you all said when you raise your. Verse 18. And all of this is a, a gift from God. Somebody say a gift from God. So that means that it didn't belong to you. God gave you this new relationship that you have with him because of what his son did. You didn't do nothing for it. It was a gift to you. So therefore now, the question is, what are you going to do with the... See, Christmas just passed. Some of y'all got some gifts. Some of y'all was excited about some gifts you got because it just hit you right where you want to be here. And some gifts are just still sitting on the Ain't getting no playtime. You don't feel that gift. So therefore, it is useless to you. And so what I'm trying to tell you, God has given you a gift and given each one of you something that instead of just sitting on the table and you left looking at it, you ought to be taking it and using it for his glory. He says all of this is a gift from God who brought us back, brought us back to him Christ. In other words, man was at odds with God because of sin, Adam and the garden, all that. I think y'all know the story. And Jesus had to come down and reconcile the differences between us and God. Because until that happened, God was at war with us. We weren't his friend, he wasn't our friend. But now because of Jesus, then we're friends with God again. Jesus was like our peace offering. God made peace with us through Jesus. So right now, we're no longer his enemies, we're his friends. We're his children. So therefore, we need to see that relationship entirely different than how we saw it before. Now, as a result of that relationship changing, that puts you in a position now to talk about how your relationship with him changed so you can tell other people, hey, if I was reconciled with God, you can be reconciled too. I was a wretch undone, but I've been reconciled. You know, it's almost like, I know Kim Wanda, at the end of every month, because she's a church bookkeeper, she, get, she just pains when she can't reconcile that checkbook. I mean, but she's fine. Huh? If it's something missing, but most times it's just on point. Bam, there it is. And see, when you can sit down and reconcile the differences between two things, it gives you peace. And if any of you are good stewards over your finances, when you're sitting down and you're doing the tallying up, and your statement say $100, and you say $300, and now a $200 difference somewhere, some of you, well, it, it's going to work itself out. No, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find who this error on. Is this my error, or is this Eglin Federal Credit Union error? I'm going to find this, because I'm going to be a good steward. I ain't going to tell you it's going to work itself out. No. I'm going to reconcile, because at the end of the day, this checkbook is going to balance. And again, look what? Some of you all are living your life out of 
Because you haven't reconciled the fact that God has given you an assignment to be his ambassador in the earth to represent him because he already cleared you of your debt that should have put you in prison. He says now, this is a gift. We've been brought back through Christ. And God has given us the responsibility. responsibility. He has given us the responsibility, the task of reconciling people to him. So that's our job. It's our job to reconcile other people to him just like we have been. It's our job to tell them, hey, your checkbook can balance now. You ain't got to worry about trying to figure out how you're going to pay all that sin debt off. You can't do it. So now Jesus already paid the debt for you, so stop trying to balance it. Stop pulling your hair out. Stop worrying about what you did when you was 10, when you was 15, when you were 20, when you what you did last week. The debt has been, that's a simple message. You know what? You can share that message without seminary. You don't have to go and get a five-year, six-year, eight-year degree to tell people that, hey, you have been reconciled with God. Man, if he required that, he should have said that in the book. But he says, now that you're that new creation, you got to go and tell people about your new life and tell them how God reconciled you back to himself. He didn't make this hard. I think sometimes we make sharing the gospel and sharing our story with others so hard, like, I don't know how. You know you. You 101 is enough. And then if you want to accelerate it, tell them about 2.0 you when you're really crazy. Let me say that again, because I get that smirk on some of y'all faces out there that think y'all wasn't a little crazy at one time. You weren't born sitting up in here on Sunday morning. There was a time when you couldn't even get out of bed on Sunday morning. There was a time you didn't even know what happened to you on Saturday night. And you... There was a time. That time is your story. Because there's somebody else out there right now who can't get out of the bed. Who wish they hadn't done what they did last. But nobody got the guts to go tell them, hey, forget about last night. Your life is more than last night. There's a life before you that Jesus had already paid for. And I want you to walk in the newness of, don't keep walking in last night. I want you to walk in the This is a serious assignment. And I think because the church has done went to sleep on this assignment, that's why the world is so jacked up now. The world is outsmarting us. They're outthinking us. They're far ahead of us. They know how to relate to people on the fringes. They know how to talk to people who's on the other side. We have shut down and don't know how to communicate with nobody that don't come to church with us on Sunday. You don't need to witness to me. You just need to encourage me to stay right with the Lord. I know where I'm going after I leave here. But there's somebody out there who don't know, and they need to be reconciled back to God, and you're the vessel that is supposed to be doing it. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. But if it wasn't possible, God wouldn't have told us to do it. We have been given the task of reconciling people to him. Look at verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to not just you, but the world to himself. Now that you're in the kingdom, you still got to go out there to the world. Jesus just gave us an example of how God was operating in the But some of y'all done got so sanctified now that you act like you just don't know how to go outside your little circle of Church folk. And I know you're lying to yourself. Because I know that when you're at home, you ain't just looking at TBN. The world is influencing you in some kind of way. If you're looking at other than TBN. 
You're being programmed based upon what what you're watching. And what I'm trying to tell you, in the midst of that, what they're trying to reprogram you, you need to be seeing ways, hey, I'm thinking, I'm a wise steward, I know how I can take that message and turn it to the kingdom and make it work for God. People don't flash stuff in front of your face just to be flashing it. There's a reason for it. So we got to be telling people it's our job now to reconcile the world back to the Lord. So we're no longer, look here, what we tell people in verse 19 is key. He says, our job reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sin against them. That's a big point. People think that, hey, man, I ain't good enough to go to church. I done did too much. I done, da, 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 I'm still doing this, man. I got this addiction. I got this habit. I got this problem. Man, you know, I just, I just like sleeping around. I mean, that's, what, that's the only game in town, man. That I just ain't, what is wrong? I just, I, just, I just got to do. And when they are there, that's not the time for you to withdraw because you're afraid. That's time for you to say, okay, I got to help this brother, this sister through this thing. Because that is a habit that can be, they're just fulfilling a fleshly desire, but the desires can change. I need to work with them and stay with them long and tell them, I got to change your desire. I got to get a new emphasis, a new thing in your life that will keep you feeling that you got to live like that below your privileges. Because at one time, I was right where you were. I was living below my. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I was living below my privileges. But one day somebody told me that I had been reconciled back to God. And that all that stuff I did before didn't matter. Even though my old friends were going to remember it, God had expunged my record. And some of y'all who know what criminal life is all about, you know it's a big deal when they expunge the record. See, because if it ain't wiped clean, other folks can go back in there and look at it and use it against you. But now that I know my record is clean, you can't go back there and find it unless I tell you it was there. And if I tell you it was there, I ain't going to let you hold me hostage because I've been set <laughs> I've been set free of that, man. I'm, I'm free now. You know, he done exposed my record. The only reason you know, because I told you, I put it on Facebook. I put it out there on my Twitter account. I put it out there. Why? Because I've been set. I wasn't supposed to spend that much time here, but so let me move on. Verse 20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Somebody say ambassador. And look what he says. God is making his appeal through us. In other words, you become God's lawyer. It is lawyers who plead cases. And so now you become his lawyer in the earth, pleading his case to those people who don't know Jesus. That's what your ambassadorship is all about. It ain't about your house and your car, your job. It's about how good are you pleading the case to reconcile other people back to the... We speak for Christ when we plead. Somebody say, plead. You know, please not beg. Sometimes you just got to beg folks to accept Jesus. Please come back to God. There's some family members out there. Y'all need to be begging. Please come back to God. Please come back to God. You know, even the entertainers in the world said they weren't too proud to beg. Amen. Robin, you know they sung that thing. Ain't too proud to beg, sweet darling. Please don't leave me, girl. Let me. If I have to plead all night long and lay at your doorstep all night long. Now that's a guy in the world telling us how you ought to be pleading with people when their life is on the line. But we don't see it that way, so therefore we don't be good stewards over our ambassadors. Oh, God, I'm... Let me go and finish this up. He said, for God made Christ who never sinned 
to be the offering for our sins so he made so that we could be made right. Somebody say made right. right. We've been made right with God through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last turn, real quick. You got a ministry, and then now I'm just going to show you you got a gift. And a gift, at least one. You ain't going to be able to leave out of here saying, I I just ain't got no gift. No, you're lying. I'm going to call you a lie right now. You're lying. That one thing God didn't give you can do. One. Some of you we found out later, you may have five, but everybody got at least one. And he ain't asking for the five if you ain't got them, but he's asking for that. So I'm making an urgent plea with you right a plea with you right now. Hey, whatever that gift is, and you know what it is, use it to God's glory. It's not just for you, it's for somebody else. A bad steward thinks that, hey, it's mine, and I'm gonna keep it to mine. A good steward say it's God, and I'm going to share with everybody. Verse 10 in 2 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, 11, real quick, he says, and each one, somebody say each one, as each one. Somebody say each one. one. Say each one like you won. I should be hearing everybody say each one. one. Now, he says each one, that means each one of you has received each one has received, past tense, has received a gift. Somebody say a gift. Yeah. Now the question I want you to ponder and write around, write down, and you ought to tell me, what is that gift, man? I mean, you ought to be able to answer that before you leave out of here. I mean, that's, the, that's your homework assignment for right now while I'm pontificating. You know, you ought to be saying, what, what is my gift? What did God give me? And if you can walk out of here and call the Bible a lie, then you got a right to go back and say, God, you ain't give me no gift. But see, guess what you got to do? Some of y'all need to be instead of sitting there looking at me with wide eyes and like you got a deer in the headlight, you ought to be the world would be thinking if I asked them that question. What did you give? Hey man, how are you going to grab? How are you going to make? They will start Some of you, oh, his time to ran out. It's time for him to sit down. No, you ought to be. Y'all can be mad with me later, but this is it right now. I'm going to stay with this word for just another minute. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God God has blessed you with that. It don't belong to you. So he said, now minister to one another. Minister to somebody else. That voice you got ain't just for you in the mirror. That smile that you got, you got one of the best smiles in the house. But where do we see you at? Who see it? Man, you need to be standing out down that door so people can see all them pearly whites and gold and whatever you got working for you. Because you're... Your smile is magnetic. It's warm. People just want to be around you because of your... Then now what we got to do when the person with the smile won't get on the door, I got to put Pastor Bolton on the door. Look. (laughs) And now someone else is having to do what you have been blessed. So as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speak, let them speak as to all God. In other words, God done bless you to be a teacher or a minister and all that, and you know it's in your heart, you ought to be working to do that. Amen. Now there are other gifts. He don't list them all here. You got to go to Romans and you got to go to Corinthians, Ephesians, and you can find a list of all kinds of gifts that God has blessed the church with, but you got one. Whatever that one thing is that you're good at. If you can speak, speak. Don't be speaking about everybody, speaking to somebody, Amen. to some people. Amen. You like to talk like that? Get a Bible book and get a Sunday school lesson and go for it. If anyone minister, that word minister there is another way of saying serve, let them do it as with the ability which God supplies. God has supplied you with what you need to carry out the, the gift he gave you. You ain't got to go find it from somebody else. Ain't nobody got to anoint your head. 
and ain't nobody got to oil you up from foot to toe and head to bottom and all that, you already got it. You waiting on a man to tell you to do what God done already told you, I gave you. He says, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. In other words, everything that we have belong, have belong to God. And so therefore, when we do things, represent him in the earth, we have to give the glory back to him. We don't do things for self-glory or vain glory. We do things that he will be glorified, that the kingdom will be glorified. And as the kingdom is glorified, people see more of Jesus in you. But not, you didn't see Jesus face to face. But somebody represented him in the earth, and that's what we got to do as an ambassador. We got to represent him in the earth, and people see him through we talk as men, you know, oftentimes that we were talking this morning, they talking about if we want certain things manifested in the earth, we got to manifest it before the people that we want to do. We can talk all that noise. We can leave out here talking, I'm going to do this and do that and do that. But until we start manifesting what we believe, people can read your actions better than they can believe your word. And so therefore, once you start manifesting the gift that you're a good ambassador and you're going to live like a good ambassador and not like you some, you know, ramrod out there doing your own thing. No, you don't belong to yourself. Your ambassadorship belongs to him. So you got to do things that glorify him as you serve and you got to use the gifts and talent that he gave you for somebody. Lachelle, somebody, is she still here? Somebody needs to hear your voice. Rob in the choir, faith. Somebody needs to hear y'all voice. And the thing is, is this, guess what? There's another voice sitting right out there. Sitting right out there. Got that gift. And when they hear y'all singing, their spirit just be jumping, but they just won't step out in it. That's the smile that's already sitting out there. That no man, if I was on that door, boy, warmth would be everywhere. I mean, them folk couldn't wait for next Sunday to get there. There's a, some of you that's a stickler for details. You can see things that need to be done, but you won't say nothing. Now, I don't have a problem with your saying, but most of the time, people who do all the saying want other folk to do the doing. So I ain't got no problem. If you're going to say it, be willing to There's some of you, God has blessed you with an abundance. You don't, you don't, you're beyond the stages of looking at your checkbook every week and trying to figure out if the end's going to meet. Your ends are met. Y'all ain't got to say amen right there. Yo, yo, if you look at your ends are met, man, I mean, you, you go to sleep at night not worrying about are you going to be able to pay your cable? Is your car insurance going to lapse on you? Are you... Man, you're beyond that now. All that's behind you. God has blessed you to get beyond that. Now he's saying, now that you're beyond that, what are you going to do with what you got? What you got left? Are you going to use it in a way that brings glory and honor to him? Or are you going to start just wasting it because you don't have those bills? Like, yeah. I'm just asking the question. Assess your life. Just ask yourself, am I a good steward of what God has blessed me with? My time. Do I look at my time and see how I'm using it? My talents. You know, even the doctors tell you, you we cheat ourselves even in our sleep. Most doctors tell you, you ought to at least get, doctors say eight hours or at least eight hours of sleep at night. And some of y'all, because you wasting time looking at Netflix and Hulu and Zulu and all this, they're robbing you of your sleep. And then when you get four hours of sleep, and then in the middle of the day, you go and steal from your job. Because you didn't sleep last. Somebody go. 
Uh, that ain't, now look, that ain't happening to nobody here. That's your friends that's doing that. That ain't happening to nobody. But what I'm trying to tell you, if you don't get serious about how you waste things in your life, you will continue to do it, and you'll pass that little spirit on down to your children. And they will waste, and they won't appreciate nothing. You buy them something, they just break it and think that, oh, mama's going to buy me another one. Daddy's going to get me another No, you break this one, you're going to do it out for a while. Let's just get a lot of hand clap of praise. Just trying to put something on your mind and your heart to think about being a good steward over whatever God has given you, however you see that in your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here online today and the Lord is speaking to your heart about becoming a part of his body, it's our job to encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If that is you, I want you to just please raise your hand if you're in the house or if you're online. I just ask that you just send us a message to let us know and give us some information, and we'll gladly get in touch with you. If that is you and you want to give your life to Christ, please raise your hand at this time. Amen. My second appeal is for church membership, church home. If you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a place where you can call your own and God is speaking to your heart and saying that striving may be a place where you can continue to grow into the things that he's calling you to be and do, please raise your hand. If you're online, please just give I see a couple hands going up in the back. Is there any others? Any others? Come on, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you raise your hand, I just ask that you keep your hands raised. We're going to have an usher that's going to come and get with you. They're going to take you, get some information, and we'll be to let you know that we're so glad to have you to consider this church as a body that you would like to be a part of. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? If you're online, again, give us a call. Give us a call. My third appeal is that if you're here and you want to know more about the gift of the Holy Spirit, you've heard about it, talked about it, but you want to know more about it. We just want to share some information with you from the Word of God and see if that's a gift that you desire to have. We don't want to force anything on you that you don't want, but I do believe there's a power that comes when we can have God's Spirit operating in our life and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Again, it has nothing to do with your salvation, but if that's something you want to know more about, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Okay, I see no hands raised. Then my fourth appeal is for prayer time. If you've got a prayer concern, I invite you to come up to the altar at this time. If there's something that you desire to do, you can stand or you can sit or kneel or stand at your seat or, uh, or sit at your seat or come to the altar at, at this time. You may have a concern. You may need to lift someone else up in prayer, intercede on someone else's behalf. However the Lord is leading you, we encourage you to come. Prayer is our way of communicating with God. Not only that, but God communicating with us. So if, wherever you're at, I just ask you to set your heart and your mind on him. Let him speak to your heart right now. Meditate on some of the things that your spirit felt today. And during this time of prayer, ask God to, you know, show you. See this at a time of, of you thinking while you're praying. What is it that God is speaking to me about? I'm just not wasting this time in prayer, but I'm really wanting this to be a time I've received something from God. Not a ritual, not a formality, but a communication with our Holy Father who's willing to speak to us wherever we are. So let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we pause to honor you as always and give you thanks. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for continuing to feed us from your scriptures. We thank you for the examples, God, that Jesus always shared with us that we can relate to in our natural lives. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this new creation, God, and we're not ashamed to be ambassadors for you on earth because you said that we'll be ashamed of you before man, you'll be ashamed of us before the Father. So therefore, Jesus, we want to make it clear. We are not ashamed of you. We are glad to be your disciples. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made for us. And God, we just ask that you give us ways and creative ideas of how we can be better ambassadors, how we can better use our gifts and talents, how we can better use our resources, not just to benefit us, but to benefit your kingdom. God, we thank you for entrusting us with this because it belongs to you. And now, God, those people out there who we know in our circle of influence, there's somebody out there, God. I just ask that you speak to our heart and our mind right now. Reveal that person, that someone 
that we need to go and share that ministry of reconciliation with. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. God, we don't have to be offended if people turn away from the truth of the gospel because they turned away from Jesus. But that still don't negate our responsibility to share the gospel, to share our ministry with those who need it. And God, for those who are gifted to serve in the church and in the ministry and the talents that you have blessed them with, God, I ask that you speak to their hearts right now. Give them the boldness to step up and do what you call them to do, believing that their gift will make room for them. God, I thank you for what you've done in their lives right now, and I thank you for what you're yet going to do. And God, I just ask that we all remain faithful stewards unto you so that in the end we will hear you say, well done. And so God, we thank you for entrusting us with whatever part of your ministry that you've given us. And God, we just thank you and ask that you continue to be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Amen. We thank God for you. We thank God for what he's going to do through you and with you in your own personal lives. And as he deals with you in your life, I believe it'll make the life of those around you and in the kingdom even better. Amen? At this time, it's time for us to worship God through our giving.